Hi there, this is Stephen from According to Callus, and this is part two of the debate hosted for the House District 61 in Texas that I was the moderator for on January 17th, 2021. And yes, I know the volume for the actual debate portion is kind of low, so please just turn it up. Thank you. I helped him every inch of the way to try to pass it is that the people where those statues or those monuments are from need to be voted on by those people. And that's the way we should get that bill fixed and put it back in, because that does not belong to a city council. Thank you, Mr. Frazier. Okay. Uh, next question for all the candidates. What three things, if elected, would you want to change first? And this time we'll start on the other side so Frederick can catch his breath here. The top three issues for me are education, election integrity, and the border. And you can put those in any order you want. Education is key to me because I feel it's destroying our children. And many adults are sitting back idly and, idly and doing nothing. And, and I, I'm just passionate about that. I don't know if it's because I was on the school board before, but it just comes flowing through via education legislation and nobody looks at it, they just pass it and it goes on through and then here we are 30 years later and we're being totally destroyed talking about things in schools that to me is just utter insanity. Uh, election integrity for the life of me, I don't know how that cannot be a felony. I don't know how anybody would ever vote for that to be a misdemeanor. Um, there's probably nobody in this room that knows uh, the actual cheating that's going on but you know what, people are uncomfortable about it and it needs to be audited and we need to get on this thing and make sure that if there is cheating, it's just as little as can be possible. But the unknown is the worst. Okay, we're in a situation now with these computers. We don't know if they're deleting votes or not. You know, I've always thought, I've always been told, you know, I do a lot of forensic work. And I've always been told, hey, you can delete what you want off that computer. But the IT guy is going to find it. Well, now I understand that they don't find it. And so, and so that's a problem. The border... I think people should be in jail for thinking they can turn a blind eye and do nothing at the border. We are Texas. We're the ninth largest economy in the world. We talk tough, but we walk weak. Texas needs to flex. Texas needs to take that border on their own. And we need to run that thing and stop everybody from coming across the border. We can do it. We should do it. But we've got bad leadership in Austin from top to bottom, and it's not getting done. Thank you. Paul? Uh, borders number one. Uh, let me tell you what I would do along the border, and hopefully we can get consensus on this. It's about explaining what's going on. First off, I spent six years doing drug trafficking programs in the White House, watching that border. My doctoral dissertation was on the Ariano Felix Drug Trafficking Organization. and wrote a book called Eternal Battle Against Evil. What we need to do is activate our entire state national guard, not portions, not DPS from the state, but our entire state national guard. Yes, Texas, we're going to have to pay for that, unfortunately. And that's why we need to fight to make sure we get a Republican in the White House in 2024 so we get reimbursed for doing the job the federal government should have done. That problem's going to get squeezed to New Mexico, which has a Democrat governor. Many Democrats along the border right now, guess what, are flipping Republican because they're getting fed up. Number two, every single checkpoint that we have along that border inside Texas territory, 200 yards, we have our own checkpoints, but they're toll booths where we're charging vehicle a fee going to and from that border. It's going to help pay for that wall. It takes the burden off of you. Those are two realistic things we can do. Drug use, ladies and gentlemen, 
none of the schools are required to participate in the Texas school survey, and that's an abomination across Texas. Because every single child, every single school has a problem. 25% high school seniors. This is something that every single school district must be required to do and tied to dollars from the state. Number third, uh, property tax reduction. What I'd like to see is something unique, and it's not an infinite or finite solution, but trying to look at your taxes and taking the last five years, maybe the last 10 years, but getting an average and then being able to lock that in for the duration of your time in your house. Yes, there's going to be challenges to other budgets, and we know that, but we also know this. When I go to your doors every single day, you know what? Many of you look at your property tax bill, and it's hurting you because your incomes are not increasing as your tax bills are. So I hear you loud and clear. Those are my three priorities. Well, I think the consensus has been what's going on on our southern border. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, it's, it's an absolute mess. Uh, you, you can't send the National Guard there. They're part of our federal government. So you have a Democrat in office. So you have to wait till you have a Republican. And we don't have one. And so what you have to do down there is you have to work all the agencies like you've been working them, work them to death. Start building the wall that just started. Isn't that crazy? The wall just started getting built when he was going for election. Um, I thought that was kind of funny too, but the the border is a, is a huge mess, um, and so are all the borders. But you know, in October we had 280,000 people cross in just alone, right? Over 300,000 crossed in, in in November. December's numbers are still on their way in, and you'll probably see about the same, maybe a, bit, a little bit slower. And, and the reason why is the cartels are in complete control. The cartels are in complete control because we've allowed them to be in complete control. Uh, the, the manhunting for the cartel groups has to start. It has to start, but the only problem is, guess where it starts? Federal government. We don't have a president in there to hunt them. So what we have to do, because I hunt them, and we only hunt them until they get to Texas, is that we get them and put them where? In a detention camp somewhere, or a holding cell? That's all we're doing with them at this point. They're not, ICE doesn't go with us like they used to. We used to have ICE with us every morning. We haven't seen an ICE agent since election. The water's been turned on, and, and then it's been turned off, and right now it is completely on, and those gates are open. So to build that water strong, we're going to have to build a coalition with all the law enforcement agencies that we have working right now. We're Texans. We have to use Texans to build it. We're not going to have to depend on some National Guard. They're not coming. They can't come. You have to use the resources you have here right now. If it's containers, then it's containers. If it's the leftover metal down there, then it's the leftover metal. That's the number one crisis you have right now because you have to stop the fentanyl. Second one's going to be our property taxes. I think we've all seen our property taxes go skyrocketing the last few years, and it's not because of our appraisal values and everything else. Oh, I'm sorry. I get the 30 seconds. Okay, 30 seconds. Property values, uh, we have to repeal H3, HB3. That was two sessions ago. State's got to put more money in. The third one's going to be public safety. We all know we want to live somewhere where we call the police, and we make sure that we have police and fire are coming. So thank you. Okay, fun times, another directed question. <laughs> Mr. Frazier. <laughs> Can you just give me the stats? <laughs> Actually, I would have written this question, so. Um, earlier you had stated you would support constitutional carry. Mm -hmm. In the past, you had testified exp against expanding gun rights. Can you explain? Yeah, that's an easy one. So, you know, when I support law enforcement, and you're, and you're testifying for law enforcement, you're testifying for law enforcement's needs. If law enforcement is in a direction where they want certain things in the bill, I mean, 
would anybody want to see certain things in a bill that we put at this last session, like a mandatory five-year sentence for somebody carrying a weapon that was a felon? Yeah. I think you all would like to see that. It's in this bill. Or the fact that uh, you don't have to pay to go get your license to carry right now? Yeah. You know, put that in there. There were certain things that we tried to na navigate and negotiate with prior bills on the constitutional carry, and we got nowhere with it. This session, we finally got somewhere with putting things in constitutional carry that actually made sense. Ability for law enforcement to, to make sure that the person carrying is actually the person who they say they are. You ever been to a pro Who's been to a protest we got all open carry people, but they're the bad guys? I have. I worked the protest for 26 days. You know how many people were carrying guns in those protests? You think it makes me feel good? Do you know if they're good, if they're legal, if they're a felon? I would like to know that. I think all of my intelligent guys would like to know that, feel safe, or any citizen that's walking downtown Dallas and you got a mob of 14,000 people standing there and you got several of them armed. I think some of you'd like to know if they're felons or if they're the person that's supposed to be carrying that gun. So crafting a constitutional carry bill that fit law enforcement and fit the public's not easy, just so you know, because you've got certain folks that don't believe in any of it, that cops don't have any rights. Who thinks that cops, you don't want police officers? I think every in this person in this room wants to have a police officer. They want to have be safe. They want us out there patrolling. Well, sometimes officers speak out, and they want to know if you can help us craft the bill to make it a little safer for us. So, yes, did I testify on certain of those bills to make it craft a little different way? Yep, I did. I own that. I can't take it back. But I did it for the fact of making sure law enforcement was hurt because now we're hurt and we got the bill passed and we actually got a good bill. Thank you. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. All right, this is the final question turned in. Do you all have any more back there? Are any of them good? <laughs> well, I've got four bonus questions I can throw at them if you don't have any that are good. Okay, this is for all of you guys, okay? How would you address... I'm just going to read. Uh, how would you address the anti-white discrimination in health care? The example is uh, Texas Health and Human Services scandal, whereupon whites are being denied monoclonal antibody treatment. So uh, who would like to start on that one? I, I'll, I'll jump in there because I've been watching the if – if, I don't know if you guys are big Joe Rogan fans, but I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan, and he's best uh, – he backs the blue. He's, he's uh, hired an entire uh, detail in Austin where he just moved to, relocating from California, uh, you know, fleeing kind of like Paul did. Uh, fled here to get, in, get some normalcy. But that, that was a big issue. I've been watching it where only the, going to the minorities – uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that's right. I don't think it's fair. If that's exactly what's happening, it should come from the health. It should come from how your health is. If you need it, give it to them. Uh, it shouldn't be, well, that person's white. She don't get it. We need to give it to an African-American or Hispanic. It needs to come first come, first serve. Who needs it? What's the basis? How they feel? Uh, this is a brand new thing, though. That question's a brand new question. And if you've not been following some of that, uh, it, just, it just poked its head a few days ago. <clears throat> Quite fitting that today's MLK day. What would uh, MLK think of this? I think he'd be disgusted. And he should be. And so should all of you. But where's the national outrage on this? You don't hear a lot of it, right? Because it's the boiling the frog analogy in America right now where we are actually separating people again.
based on race or class or vision or ideology or whatever it may be. We're going backwards, ladies and gentlemen, and that's scary for a democracy as young as ours when we have enemies like China that watch us that have been around for a bazillion years and just waiting for us to collapse. This is how you collapse the United States of America, by separating and segregating all of us. And that in itself is a shame. It's a much bigger question than what you just asked. It's the ideology that we must fight every single day to preserve this state and this country for our children. And that is the slippery slope that has raised its ugly head. I was a victim of this here in Texas last year. HHSC, Health and Human Services. We have a grant to keep kids off drugs. And I was on the training. And I was told, because I'm a white male, I have privilege. I said, time out. I was raised dirt poor uh, in a desert road with virtually nothing, and somehow I had privilege. I served 20 years in the military, went to Iraq. I had no privilege. I had the privilege of serving my country. That's the difference. So we need to look at this evil that is happening in every single corner, including here in Texas, at Health and Human Services, and fight it. And I did. And guess what? President Trump's Office of Management Budget Director wrote a letter, went back to HHSC, that said you will not teach critical race theory or any of that other nonsense when you're using federal dollars. I wrote the governor, still waiting on that response. So we must be cautious, watch for that slippery slope, and pray to God that you all will continue to fight and see that it's much bigger than just these rumblings of separating us based on some sort of fear tactic. Because that fear, ladies and gentlemen, will destroy this country. Um, I really can't agree more um, than with what Paul said. I do think what's sad about this whole critical race theory is a lot of us, and I don't mean just whites, all of us have bought into it. I've watched it happen in churches. It has just repulsed me to watch Good people buy into this just like they buy into the mass. They buy into all this insanity that's going on today. It doesn't do us any good to try and divide between all of us. I mean, I, I went to my granddaughter's um, parent-teacher. I'm not the parent, but I got to go. And, and there's a picture of a white man whipping a, a black girl. I mean, my granddaughter's eight years old. This is nuts. But what we have to do is not buy into it. Do not be shy about it. We've got to speak up and let the people know that this is horseradish and we are not going to tolerate it. God created all of us equal, okay? And there is no, it's insulting in my opinion to think that we're privileged or not or we're oppressed or, or, or depressed, whatever it is you want to be, okay? It's, it's insulting to our Lord. Okay, this is another question I'm going to change the rule on. We're going to make it a yes-no answer. Are you willing to support a bill that would ban taxpayer-funded lobbying? Jim, you can start. Yes. 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 Okay, all agreement. All right, last question from the audience. Well, I have just a couple minutes, I'll throw my bonus question to these guys. Have you demonstrated, or how have you demonstrated conservative values other than just voting in the Republican primary 
and the, I guess I'm going to make this a semicolon. And how do we know you will be unlike most of the Republicans that we send to Austin or office, if you prefer? So, Paul, I'm going to let you start on that one. And then Jim, and then Frederick, I'll let you finish. Thanks. You know, I wasn't really raised in a political family. Um, and my first vote was for Ross Perot in 18 because I liked his charge about Buy America, right? Have you remember that? Well, that actually cost Bush the election, and I didn't know any better. Um, I evolved into a conservative over time because of life experiences. These life experiences change and alter our view of all of us. You can't teach conservative values in a book or a classroom. I'm an adjunct professor. I teach American government. I teach doctoral students. Who do you learn better from? A professor who just got a degree and read a book and got the degree or a professor who's actually been out there in the field and done the job? You know, this is, I think, the difference is that we certainly talk our values, right? But how many doors have I knocked on talking to parents today? I don't know what happened to my kids. I thought I raised them conservative values, but they're liberals now. They went off to college. And I don't think any one of us have the answer or solution to that other than to look at society as a whole and where it is and how it is negatively impacting that mirror perception and attacking the integrity. So for me, and we may all be different, but my conservative values happened by watching my mother and grandmother work odd jobs, never took welfare. Me, paper boy, first job, every single thing, working hard, paying taxes, learning how to make a life out of this American dream. Where can you go from rehab to working in the White House because of this country? I'm a first-generation American on my father's side. On my mother's side, they all came over from Ukraine and Russia. We are a melting pot of ingenuity. But think about this. Every great city in America that we have was built on conservative values of capitalism, free market, respect. And as I shut down my comments, ladies and gentlemen, the Democrats have taken over those big cities today and are destroying them from Dallas to Austin to Houston. And we cannot let that cancer spread up here. Thank you. Jim? With me, you do not have to roll the dice. I've said this before. I served on this school board. I have taken stances against the majority. If this is not a fight against the Democrats, do not think it is. We send Republicans to Austin every two years, and they do not do what we ask them to do. This is, this is a struggle within our own party. Okay, these are all pro-life people. They love Jesus. They'll tell you they're conservative. They got the R behind their name. But you know what happens? They go to Austin and they fold. Good people. Don't, don't think they're not. They, these are nice folks. The issue and the question that was asked is, how do you know we're going to stand? How do you know we're not going to go along to get along like everybody else does that goes down there? And I mean everybody. How do you know? You don't have to roll the dice with me. I've done it. I'm wired for this. There's too many people in Austin that are in the wrong lane, and they just don't even know it. I've asked state reps to resign. That didn't go over very well, I'll have you know. But I felt like I was doing them a favor. We send them down there, and they think they're the best. They're not. They need to come home. 
and I mean most of them need to come home. So when you look at all of us up here, it really gets down to who's done it. I've gone to school board meetings and spoken out because you know what? I'm not worried about city council, chamber, or other school board people getting upset with me. I'm not worried about the crowd. We've got to do the right thing. Who's the man that's going to go to Austin and stand up and do the right thing? I hope I can get your vote. Thank you. Frederick? Can, can, Stephen, can you repeat the question? Because I think we got off the question. How have you demonstrated your conservative values other than just voting for Republicans? Semicolon. And how do we know you will be unlike most Republicans who fold? Yeah. So this is an easy one. I just wanted to repeat the question. So we actually go back to what have you done as a Republican? So when I got involved with the Republican Party, which if you look at my voter ID or my voter registration, it says hard Republican, because that's the way I've been voting my entire life. I couldn't wait the day I turned 18 to vote. I could not wait for that time to come to, come to me. I've been doing this stuff, signing up Republicans, getting them signed up to, be, to vote, checking to make sure that they're voting. How many of you have friends out here that, don't, that, you know, that you're like, but I thought they voted. They don't, you don't check and see. They don't even vote. They always put the little voter sticker somewhere and say they voted. They didn't vote. They didn't even sign up. I've been signing those folks up for years. I got into it with, with uh, Alan West when he was at the pantry. This was back before November. I asked him how many registered voters, new registered voters, had the Republican Party signed up for the election coming. He didn't have the number. He was a GOP chairman. How would you not have that number? I know exactly how many the number was, and the number was way less than the Democrats. We were not signing up people to register as Republicans. We were not going after where we were looking for our own party to get stronger. I've been working on that from day one to get us in there, moving us out of get, uh, giving PAC money to Democrats, saying no to the Democratic Party when they wanted something. No one should give money to that program right now. No one should be giving money to those folks and what they're doing because they're just destroying the fabric that we live in right now. Uh, I went to a meeting, Dan Patrick and I went to this meeting together, and it was, at a, it was at a brewery in Austin. We were meeting with all the police associations, and I asked them, how many of y'all gave to Democrats on city councils? They all raised their hands, and I said, what, how does it feel now? Asked the, I asked the Austin guys, how does it feel that you've been doing that? Why were you giving to them? Cut them off where they needed their money. And I've been working on that pro platform. I've been working on it for years. So how Republican am I? I'm hardcore Republican. Thank you, guys. All right. So I'm going to give uh, a five-second answer. Oh, my God. Stephen, are you making this stuff up? I am having fun here, aren't you? <laughs> you know, to be perfectly honest, a year ago, I thought I'd be sitting over there, but these other guys beat me to it, and I think they've done a good job for, for us so far, don't you think? So, yeah, I'm having a little fun at your expense, guys. <laughs> yes, I do. All right. Um, so, th actually, this might even be just a yes-no. Will you fight for the Texas legislature to take back control of the Alamo? born and raised in San Antonio. Hell yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, next one. Uh, let's also make this a 30-second at most answer. 
what do you think would be the first law that needs to be sunset in the state of Texas? It doesn't have to be a specific law that you can call it by name, but just a specific issue that you know is a law that needs to go away. 30 seconds. Anybody that's ready. I'll, I'll jump on this one. Um, the, the property crime value for theft here in Texas is still high. And I think we need to lower that um, so that we can make it a felony. And the reason is organized crime is ticking up all across this country. Here in Texas, you have cartels that are getting smart. They're going to carry around a calculator and look at the dollar amount between a, a, a misdemeanor and a felony. And I think we need greater accountability as we see what's happening. Thank you. Is that 30 seconds? That was. Yeah. Gamer Frederick, who'd like to go next? Yeah, I don't know if this answers the question, but I, um, I think we need to make sure that election integrity goes back to being a felony as opposed to being a misdemeanor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, there's nothing sure. I know there's 30 seconds, but we, we had a, you know, a council member here in, in McKinney that was committing election fraud and everything else. We still have yet to prosecute him, so I'm 100% with Jim on this. Very good. Okay, so last question. And this is something that I had to confront myself. So this is not meant to be in any way, shape, or form a uh, slight or anything. But you all have careers or regular jobs, if you will. And if you should win the seat to go serve on the legislature, how do you plan to make that work? And I'd going to guess you can probably answer that in 30 seconds or less. So if you need more, we're not going to beat you up. Go for it. I'll, I'll, I'll just go in line. I've been doing it, doing it for the last uh, 16 years, going back and forth. I have the time. I've got the time on the department. I've got the time to make, and I don't care if I do it for free. I'm going to do it because I've been doing it for free for, for many years and volunteering my own hours. I've got an incredible wife. Um, who runs our company. I run a company called Conservative Move, which helps conservatives move out of blue states to red states, law enforcement move, military vet move, all DBAs, with now hundreds of agents across this country. And because of Texas, I was able to come here and create the real American dream without the regulations and red tape and harassment that I had in other states. And so because of that, we've built a very successful corporation here where I can now heavily depend on the skill set of people that we've brought in uh, to run this company, and blessed uh, for that opportunity. Thank you. Jim? And I'm kind of in that same boat. I run a small accounting firm, and I've got most of it leveraged out, and, and my wife works with me as well, and she's very, very talented. Um, and, and just another thing, I think what happens, a lot of people go to Austin, they get wrapped up in all the parties and all that sort of stuff, and I've told all my constituents that I'm not going to go to these lobby parties every night, so I can still continue to work, review tax files, as boring as that may seem to some of you, uh, to continue our business and keep it going. But I will not be spending uh, all my evenings out at lobby parties. Thank you. Being that I have one minute left, I'm going to ask one more question. It's going to be yes, no, but I'm going to lay it out for you. So in previous sessions, they have brought up the idea of being able to testify remotely. So in other words, you would be able to go to like your local representative's office or perhaps the Senate District office in order to testify on something going on in Austin 
so that you don't have to, you know, uproot your entire life to go do that, to make it easier to testify. So the question is, would you support whatever it takes to make that happen, yes or no? Yes. 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 Boy, I made that way too easy. Okay, I want to thank everybody for being here. They did a great job, right? Um, each candidate will be given three minutes for a closing statement, and uh, we'll go in the reverse order of which you did your intros. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for coming out tonight. Um, I know you may think you've got some tough decisions to make. Um, I hope I've made myself very clear to everybody that I'm the only proven candidate who has stood against what I would call the offensive and the, and the enemy in the heat of the battle. I did it at the school board. I've done it with churches. I've done it inside of this Republican Party. Okay, we're trying to cleanse the party, if you will. We've got a lot of people in the party that are still too liberal for Republicans. They got the R, but they're not a true R. And so um, I've explained my school board experience to you. And folks, that makes a lot of difference. The pressure that you feel when you go to Austin, I, like I told you, is you're in the club and it's heavy. And it's not fun to say no. Okay, I had people tell me when I f was on the school board, well, you know, you're, I think you're just running for higher office. And I was like, I don't think this is how you do it. And it wasn't. Okay, but we have to send people to Austin who are going to go down there and respond to our constituents. Okay, and that's, that's so important. And so I want to involve you folks. Help me make decisions. I'm not going to go down there and talk to my colleagues and make decisions that way. That's why we're in trouble. Okay, I'm not going to trade, you know, have a great bill, and then somebody else has another bill, and they want to put them together. I'm opposed to that. I'm all about doing the right thing, and we may have to call some legislators out. Okay, but we need to do it with courtesy and respect to get these folks to do the right thing, and I'm all about doing that. So I really appreciate your vote. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. I think I'll take these, uh, is it two or three? You know, I've um, been here five years and a remarkable journey uh, because of many of you. But I want to say something not about my campaign, but just I think about all of us. And that is that I've had a chance to go through many different Republican clubs and meetings. And sometimes it saddens me. And I'll tell you why. I see a lot of fighting, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of accusations, and it's tearing us apart. How are we going to get people to continue to join the ranks of what we have when we continue to insult, attack, demean one another? Oh, I've seen it. And that is going to break us unless we stop and set the example. I'm going to get a little harder here for a minute. I'll be honest, more of us show up to uh, Republican meetings than we do walking and talking to new voters. Shame on us. If you really care about the Republican Party, which you do, and I don't want to shoot the messenger, but somebody has to tell the truth, I'm tired of going to meetings, and I'm tired of going out there and talking to voters every single day, seven days a week, when they say, gee, you're the first Republican to knock on my door. 
Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We will lose, ladies and gentlemen, unless we break outside of these walls. So whether you vote for me or not, put that aside. It's bigger than that. It's our state. It's our country. It's our party. It's our values. Stop fighting. Stop bickering. Start working together because we have a state to save and our country depends on us. If we lose Collin County, which is a chance, if we keep doing this, we will lose. So change the mindset, work together, find a way to be positive. And if you can't, quite honestly, go find the door. Because we need brave men, women, and children to lead by example. So that you look around this room and you're proud of the accomplishments. This isn't junior high or high school. This is life. And that is why I'm asking for your vote. Because I don't really care about anything other than doing what is right. And so I can go to sleep, my kids can look at me and be proud, and on my deathbed, hopefully the Lord will say, job well done. Amen to that. Thank you. Well, this has been a long journey. It, it, not this race, just, just life. We all have our journeys, right? Everyone in this room has their own, how they got here and what moment. Mine came a long time ago when parents adopted me. Family chose me. They didn't have, you know, the parents that gave me up for adoption didn't have to choose life, but they did. Made me who I am. Made me the better person. The person you see in front of you. I'm not going to go along, get along thing. I don't know what that was all about. Now the club mess, I get it, right? You get a too many clubs, it's like I'm too many cooks in the kitchen. And that's, that's just what happens. We're Republicans. We should be standing up for what's right. We should be standing up for what's, um, what America wants. Who wants to say the Pledge of Allegiance when they're in school every day? I do. I want to see those kids do it every single day. I want to see prayer in the school. But we don't have that anymore. We barely can get people to do the pledge. There has to be somebody to fight for all these things, somebody that has to be strong, somebody that can not only go across the pennant line but drag every damn one of you with them. Well, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that came here for some whatever reason that made something made me want to do these things. When I saw council and the things that were happening there, I jumped in there. It wasn't, hey, we need this guy. And I hear this message all the time. Well, you're just Fuller's guy. I didn't even know George Fuller when I ran for city council. I'm my own guy. I've been my own guy. Everyone that's told me you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't win that, you can't do that. No police officer in history has ever been a representative in this state of Texas. Not one time. There's been retirees or people that say they retired, but not one time has there been an active duty law enforcement person sitting on that state house. Never was ever in our city council. 1848 this city was started. Not one time did they have a law enforcement person that was active duty sitting on city council. I changed that. I changed how the things looked. I made sure that when we looked at crime, we looked at it a different way. We signed the, most con the best contract for our law enforcement or public safety in history. In history. It's never been done. I know we have some of the officers sitting in this room. I fought hard for, hard for that. No different than I'll fight hard for you in Austin and not get along, come along, whatever that is about again. But I don't care about all that. I'll care about what District 61 wants, about your roads, your taxes, the, the finance, everything that comes along with that. We have got to pass bills. We can't just vote no. We've got to get things across the finish line. I can do that. 
I promise you I can do that. There's a reason why President Trump put me on that crime commission, the only person from the state of Texas. And you know what? I did not put my name in. My name got put in. I, didn't, I, just, I was shocked when it happened. Probably some of you guys are still I'm still shocked that it happened. But it was the best time in 18 months of sitting on there working for that man. Thank you, and God bless Texas. All right, so up on the screen behind me is the straw poll that we were doing. So the first question is going to ask you if you have an order of preference. The second question, I believe, is going to be, did the debate change your mind on the order of preference? So two more things. One, if you are a candidate or representative of a candidate that was not here for when we started, please line up to my right. Gentlemen, I'm sure you could probably use the hit the head or go get five seconds to yourself. If you want to go ahead and uh, step outside, we'll give you a couple minutes to yourself while the other candidates come by, and then we'll dismiss everybody. Okay, so candidates and representatives over here, I want to thank you all for coming. I want to let you know that it was a pleasure to have these guys here. I hope that one of them's here, and we have another Democrat here, so we can have this same conversation, because at Constitutional Texans, we care about the Constitution first, right? So, come on down. I don't know, what, about a minute or so? If you need a few seconds more, I'll try not to bop you on the head. Okay. All right. How's everybody doing tonight? A lot of things going on tonight, so I'm glad that you all made the time to get out to this. So important. It sounded like uh, the uh, candidates had some great things to say for Texas. I'm Dan Thomas. I'm running for U.S. House of Representatives uh, CD4. All right, so the first thing that I have to say when I get into Collin County is a lot of you might be in CD4 and you might not know it. So check out the new map. A lot of people in Frisco, Plano, those areas are in CD4 now, so you got to pay attention uh, to that. So quick history on me. Now that we've got maybe 10 seconds left, uh, I'm Dan Thomas. I lost my career to the vaccine mandate. Uh, I want to fight this fight in Washington so that no one has to go through this like I had to go through it. Uh, I'm sick of seeing uh, career politicians go up there telling us great little sound bites on the campaign trail, everything that we want to hear because they've done great surveys and they know what we're thinking. They know what we want to hear. They get to Washington and they end up either doing nothing or just cashing in while they're there. I'm sick of the profiteer politicians. I want to take this country back. We need to return this country to the Constitution, and that's what I want to fight for. Thank you. I hope it was worth your drive. <laughs> Dan Thomas, if you want to just step over here, these guys will all go out when we're done, and you can meet and uh, talk to them as well. Good evening. Suzanne Harp running for U.S. Congressional District 3. Thank you. I am a sixth-generation Texan. I love this group, and thank you guys for coming out tonight. My dad came to this country, though, from Athens, Greece, and we um, learned a lot about communism. And that's what I see coming out of D.C. today. And I think that you guys heard a lot of those questions tonight. I feel it creeping in everywhere. Right, currently, I'm the vice president of strategic accounts for a mergers and acquisition company, which means I build business, I grow revenue, and I sign a lot of contracts which makes me uniquely qualified to help us solve our problems, both in this district and in our country. I am most proud, though, to be married to my husband, Bill, for 27 years, and we raised and our homeschooled our four kids right here in Collin County. What I want to bring to you guys is security of the border. 
I want to have oversight in government spending, and I want to stop the government mandates because I don't want anybody to tell me whether I have to put a vaccine in my body, and I don't want to know whether you have one or not. So, again, Suzanne Harp running for U.S. Congressional District 3. We're having a lot of meet and greets, and our forums are the most exciting. So come to them. Thank you. Next. Hi, folks. I'm Judge Paul Raleigh, Justice of the Peace in Precinct 1, and I have been the Justice of the Peace for the last 24 years. I'm up for re-election, and I'm not asking you for a raise. I'm not asking you for better benefits. I'm just asking you if I can still have my job. I've worked for you for the last 24 years. You are the corporation that I went to work for. You are the people. You're my boss. So I'm asking my bosses, please let me continue to work for you. So let me tell you why. Well, number one, uh, we are a customer-oriented court. That means nobody comes into your courtroom with good news, but everybody that does come in can be treated professionally, with uh, courtesy, and with dignity. Um, we, uh, the Justice of the Peace Court, if you don't know, we have exclusive jurisdiction over all evictions, commercial and residential. We have fine-only criminal offenses, and then we have civil jurisdiction, $20,000 or less. I've been doing that for 24 years, and again, thank you for uh, letting me come to your club tonight and introduce myself to those of you who don't know me, and for those of you who do know me, hold your applause. Next, you got it. Hello, I'm Ricky Williams, and I'm running for uh, Congressional District 3. Uh, I uh, am not a career politician. I am a career educator. I've been in public education now for over uh, 35 years. I started off as a teacher and a coach, a uh, high school principal, a uh, school superintendent. Uh, and I've seen firsthand how the federal government has infiltrated our schools with critical race theory, diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, uh, and ridiculous, ridiculous dis disproportionality uh, accusations. Uh, I decided to run because Collin County, or which is now CD3, which now takes into effect uh, Collin County and most of Hunt County, we do not have a voice in Washington, D.C. We, we do not have a conservative voice in Washington, D.C., and that's why I'm running. Uh, so I hope to have your support. Uh, thank you for li listening to me. Thank you. Thank you.
prepare them. She was an educated voter, my best friend. Thank you. My name is Jeff Lytle, and um, I'm here uh, speaking on behalf of my wife, Debbie Lytle. Uh, she's running for Collin County District Clerk. And um, I'm very proud of my wife, by the way. Um, we're, we're, she and I are just a lot like you. We're people who've been seeing what's going on in our country and how it's going off the rails, and we're just ticked off. And we're to the point, we can't sit on the couch anymore. We got to do something. And my wife is uniquely positioned to deal with the district clerk office. Um, she has 16 years of records management experience. She's worked with NIH. She's put together reports that go up to Congress. She's currently the uh, records management officer of Plano ISD. And she um, deals with over 90 plus campuses and administrations there. And she saw this as an opportunity where she her skill set can fit. She's not a politician. She's not a public speaker. She's, you know, she's just like you and me. She's tired of seeing what's going on in government, and she wants to put that house back in order and bring uh, integrity and accountability back to that office. And the first thing she wants to focus on is bringing those passport officers back to Collin County. So thank you for voting for my wife, Debbie Lytle, District Clerk. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir, and good evening. I, my name is Matt Carpenter. I'm the conservative Christian running for Collin County Constable Precinct 1. A little bit about me. I'm a third-generation law enforcement officer. I'm current chief deputy of Constable Sammy Knapp's office, the largest precinct in Collin County. And professionalism, integrity, and progress has carried me a long way in my career. And I want to bring what we've done in Precinct 3 to Precinct 1, and I'd appreciate your support. Thank you all. Thank you. C.D. Mayfield, I'm running for Justice of the Peace, Precinct 1. Serving is what I do. I uh, did four years in the Marine Corps as a rifleman. After that, I became a police officer with the city of Allen, which I've been doing for the last 23 years. I'm a detective. I've investigated everything from traffic accidents to murder. I've been officer year, investigator year, and supervisor year. I'm the only person at the department that's been all three. And I look forward to you all voting for me to continue serving as your Justice of the Peace, Precinct 1. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris Trevino. I'm running for Collin County Constable, Precinct 1. I've been a Collin County resident for 47 years out of McKinney, Texas. How many of y'all are from McKinney? Anybody? A couple of y'all? All right, well, I'm the guy that helped Frederick Frazier removed our far-left city councilman, Lashady and Shimwell. The paperwork, I have it. My name's in on it. I turned it in. I don't want none of that far-left stuff on our council, and I helped remove him, okay? I currently work in a school district right now protecting kids, making sure they get home all the time. I've been in law enforcement 20 years, been, long, been in it a long time. I don't sit behind a desk for the last 10 years. When I get to office, I'm going to make sure I continue that, not sitting behind a desk, making sure I'm out there with my troops. What you see is what you get with me. If I tell you I've done something, I did it. If I tell you that I went to a school, I did it. 
If I tell you I've been a supervisor, I have. If I tell you I've been endorsed by someone, I did. I'm not going to make all that stuff up just so I can get vote, uh, elected. It will be a true honor to be Collin County's next Precinct 1 Collin County Constable. And I'm the one that, and ready to work for y'all. Thank y'all. Okay, I want to thank everybody that came in at the end to introduce themselves. They'll all be outside. I would ask the people that are responsible for putting out the papers, pick up the papers. All the signs and the papers need to be out. We can be inside until 9 o'clock. I think we probably got a forgiveness factor of 5 to 10 minutes. But if you would like to stay and talk, it's not that cold outside. Please, feel free. Thank you very much, and thank you all for coming. Oh, yes. Do we have the straw poll results yet? Oh, Mr. Montez, please read them. Thanks, everyone, for participating in the straw poll. There were a total of 78 responses from the room. And you were asked to rank the three candidates as your number one, second, or third choice. The first choice coming in third place is Frederick Fraser at 19%. In second place, Paul Chabot at 34%, and Jim Herblin at 46% for first place. For second place, the top vote counter is Paul Chabot at 48%, Jim Herblin second at 35.9%, Frederick Fraser at 15.3%. Yeah. That, that's for a second. Your second preferred candidate. Everyone rank first, second, or third. Yeah, and then for third place, the preferred uh, out of the, the the ranking was uh, uh, let's see, sixteen percent Paul Chabot. Uh, let's see, Jim Herblin seventeen point nine percent, Frederick Fraser sixty five percent for third place. All right, thank you all for coming. Please feel free to visit outside. Please pick up your papers. And again, we'll see you next time.